After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Broke. And I'm Joke. (laughs) And you're listening to (laughs) The Element Podcast. What's happening, folks? We have got a teething baby who is asleep almost. Mm. He's moving around a little bit. Oh, no. We are on daddy duty, uh, which is funny because... Better than duty daddy. <laughs> better than being a duty daddy for sure. But uh, I'm KC. It's Tyler. We're going to talk about something near and dear. So very dear. Dear with hearts. an A or with two E's? Both. <laughs> dear and dear. Um, dear and dear honey, I think is what they call it. Um, but... Uh, Listen, I have spent a large amount of time in my life with a small amount of money in my bank account, (laughs) and that really has not changed much at all. Um, As you get older, things start to loosen up a little bit, and I think that that's one of the good reasons for us to revisit this topic. We asked recently on a Facebook post um, if there was anything that y'all wanted to hear us talk about or anybody you wanted to hear us interview on the podcast, and one of the things that was mentioned was that... uh, Somebody really enjoyed a podcast that we did way back in episode 16. Mm. Can't believe I'm telling you that right Next now. Next time somebody says something <laughs> like this, I'm about to throw these, throw these dudes throw down. Hands, dude. <laughs> Going down. Listen, we were Don't jokes. Don't make me listen. <laughs> Don't make me listen to my podcast. We were jokes again. back then. It's so slow. And Tyler and I both uh, dedicated ourselves to go back and listen to that. I actually have a confession. I only listened to 45 minutes of it. <laughs> it's like an hour thing. and a half long. <laughs> um, and we were so slow and boring. So if you've been with us since that episode, we really appreciate that because mm. um, we feel we've gotten better at this thing. Hopefully you think so too. If not, let us know. You but, must be a boring person. <laughs> right. You must really like boring. You must be from Minnesota for sure. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Minneapolis uh, I can say that because place. I'm half Minnesotan, right? Uh, yeah. So um, you, we, align. you align with those people. That's right. <laughs> Rural. Rural Minnesota. Rural. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, Rather, as we've gotten older, maybe we've learned a little bit about this stuff, figured out some more things about how to be cheap, and um, things loosen up a little bit as you get older. So if you're 22, 23 out there really hitting that struggle, you know, eating Raymond to uh, make it through deer season, we understand. We also eat that in deer season from time to time, probably because it's warm and good. Um, But we'll talk about that kind of stuff. There's probably plenty of 22-year-olds out there right now. Well, not right now, (laughs) but where a couple years ago there were – 
just out in the oil field making three times the money that I've made in my entire life. That's so. right, man. <laughs> right now they're sitting on two stimmy checks and wondering what they're going to do with all that money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we uh, we thought it would be a good thing to come back and cover some of this stuff about how to really hunt on a budget. And I think that uh, there's, of course, a ton of different aspects to your lifestyle. And if you want to really dive into like how to save money and how to accumulate wealth and yada yada this probably isn't the podcast for you there's plenty of uh, old bald white guys that want to tell you that kind of stuff on uh, podcasts so go listen to those but we're really gonna zone this in into hunting stuff right we're gonna talk about budget bucks and um Everyone's going to think about gear and about buying gear and all that kind of stuff, deer gear. Um, but really, uh, there's so many more aspects to this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just about the stuff you have. Mm-hmm. It's about the places you go. It's about the animals you hunt. It's all about all this stuff. So we really thought we'd kind of start this off a little bit more, uh, a little bit broader, and talk about all aspects of access, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, we've all got different uh, goals, different things that make us excited mm-hmm. and happy, and things that we don't like. Right? Some people really hate the cold. Somebody, some people really hate the heat. You know, so like, there's mm-hmm. so many different aspects to what um, for you is important to spend money on, mm-hmm. and what is not important to spend money on. So just keep that in mind as we go out or go about this. But you know, we've we've but we've all both derived a lot of ideas here um, about things that you could do that could save you money or uh, that, you know, keep you from at least spending money or bigger money than you, you could would put so it elsewhere. You could yeah. put it elsewhere. And so. that's the other thing too, we probably need to cover is that if you don't want to spend any money, then hunting is probably not for you. No, I would you, say probably, um, man, dying. Dying would, would be, be the only thing, the honestly. Thing. Like most things are going to cost you something, right? Yeah. And if you if you're the kind of person who has passion, and wants to go do something, it's going to cost you a little something. Now, of course, there are hobbies that are more expensive than others. You know, where mm. like you know, global travel is going to be pretty expensive. But mm. you know, if you want to hunt, you can definitely do it on a budget. But you got to have, you know, you need to work to be able to make it happen. Mm. In some sense of the matter, yeah. Um, so so it's going to cost you something. Is what yeah. you're saying? I mean, whether it's time, effort. Or money, this stuff's going to cost you something, but there mm-hmm. are some ways to maybe do it a little cost cheaper. Cost it, le- you know, cost less. Yeah. You don't want to be working your life away just so you can go hunt three days a year. Right, right. You know, like that's not, that's kind of flip flopped. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, so with that, let's talk about maybe some opportunity access. Um, you know how you go about that because I mean we all know there are dudes that. Uh, can go out to the old Vermejo and, <laughs> and kill a big elk, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as Brennan Rhodes would say. That would be nice. But, uh, you know, not everybody can do that. I wish that I could, honestly. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would love that. And we're not above buying a landowner tag at some point in time to go do some elk. I'm not above going to the Vermejo if you guys yeah. want to just give me a, <laughs> some right. money. You know what that's I mean? Right. But like, Maybe we can build the Vermejo pro staff. That'd that's be what right. I'm thinking. That's that's a good plan, <laughs> man. I love pro staffs. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, I mean, there, there's, uh, there's different uh, levels of what you can afford here mm-hmm. and uh, and of access and stuff. But for us, we're going to talk about kind of more our experience, what we like to do, what we can do, what we feel like we can pull off, and then maybe give you some ideas. So mm-hmm. uh, why don't you start us out, Casey? Well, one of the things that I really like to think about, it th- and when we say access, let me establish this, that doesn't just mean a place you're going to go hunt. That means all aspects of hunting somewhere, mm-hmm. right? So it's licensing and all that stuff. So to start with that, 
using your in-state license, the place that you live, the place that you're a resident, to your utmost ability is going to be the most budget-friendly thing that you can do. Whether you're in Texas, Colorado, Vermont, whatever it is, I am almost positive Preferably that, not Vermont. <laughs> preferably. I don't know. There's some pretty good trout streams up there. but uh, <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Tommy boy. I think there's some, uh, yeah, Tom, <laughs> I think there's some elk up there, too. Of course, there's moose. I don't know yeah. if they have a season anymore or not. We're digressing a little bit here. Um, but um, I can guarantee you your in-state license is going to be at least one-tenth, if not less, the cost of an out-of-state about near anywhere, mm. right? Like, for instance, if you live in Colorado, I think it costs you like 45 bucks to go shoot an elk, and it costs us about 700 mm-hmm. Okay, so um, using your in-state tags as much as you can is going to be a huge saver for you. Now, I know that you like to travel and you like to go hunt new places, and that's cool, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But say, for instance, in Texas, I believe we have five deer tags um, well, five whitetail tags. Five whitetail tags. And there's two mule deer tags, Something which are like a lot that. harder to fill. fill. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can concentrate on those five whitetail tags, most likely, unless you live in Trans-Pecos. But um, for the most part, um, a lot of counties are going to at least allow you to fill four of those five in one county. So if you play your cards right and hunt multiple seasons, meaning archery, rifle, and, you know, some some counties muzzleloader you can shoot four deer right where you live and not have to travel hardly anywhere and it costs you the cost of a hunting license which i think in texas is 63 bucks or something like that i don't know I always buy super combo which is probably also something to uh add in there combination licenses yeah tyler somebody visiting i thought it us? was raining all of a sudden i'm like dang i think oh. my windows are open <laughs> are your windows open i don't know i think so <laughs> be kind of sketchy Gotta keep an eye on things <laughs> <That's> right <laughs> um but yeah uh super combo if you hunt and fish is going to probably be the way to fly in the yeah. state of texas uh, so hunting and fishing combo licenses whatever state you're in yeah. tend to be a little bit cheaper if you're all around outdoors maybe. yeah exactly yeah. but absolutely you need to be doing the taking the steps taking the measures to hunt in state as much as you can if your goal is to hunt as much as you can mm-hmm. also you wanted to talk about draws a little bit too and, and uh you know you mentioned that like an a non-resident sometimes maybe 10 or more times the expenditure to uh, hunt mm-hmm. um what about is there a difference in the uh, draw process in Texas for a non-resident versus a resident as I don't far as the cost? So. No, to put in, it costs the same. Yeah. And then your actual non-resident hunting license, I think, is only about double of what a resident is. So Texas is a pretty cheap state to travel to to hunt. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to put in for draws, it's going to cost you like three bucks a pop or something like but that. But in regards to access, Texas is also probably one of the hardest states to actually get access to hunt in. Yeah, don't think you're going to come in. I'm going to go explore the public land in Texas. <laughs> you're going to go burn Biden gas is what you're going to do. And it's real expensive. So uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't really think about the value of that per se but you know if you know somebody with a family place or something down here not a bad not a bad option for sure but what you were talking about with the draw stuff like in texas it costs you 130 dollars a pop usually if you do happen to draw a tag for for deer at least i don't know about the other stuff but squirrel too um yeah some squirrel hunts you about that you know about that i know about that and they've changed that since because they were nobody applied for it Um, (laughs) or some sucker showed up and said i'm not paying that and left (laughs) um but uh some states 
you don't have to pay anything more once you draw a special tag. Actually, so, a lot of states, I think, are that way, right? Yeah, but you so, have to have the license purchased, mm-hmm. right? So, like, for instance, everyone knows about this state, so we'll talk about it. Colorado, which you're not really looking at whitetail there. You're thinking about elk and mule deer. Um, it, you're going to pay the same for an over-the-counter tag as you will for a draw license, and it costs you, I think... Well, didn't they bump it up to ten dollars per application in Colorado something like that. or something like that? Yeah. We just did that. I can't really remember, but yeah, it's not going to cost you more than it would if you already had the license, mm-hmm. right? Some states you have to buy a hunting license, which is a nominal cost, and then you apply for hunts, and you might get those. And if you don't get those, then you have to go buy like deer tags or something mm-hmm. like that. But how much uh, if you draw a wolf tag in Colorado? I don't know. I think they just uh, hand those out under the counter, not over the counter. Gotcha. You know what I mean? It's yeah, under UTC. the counter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. UTC unit. Not, not to be not to be confused with like a urinary tract confection. <laughs> Sorry, I don't even know. <laughs> About to spit that water out. <laughs> Golly. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's the. I think that's kind of the thing with, with draw hunts, and really. Um, it's kind of a catch-22 because if you're a budget hunter, maybe you don't need to be looking at that. Maybe you need to be looking at stuff that's kind of easy to get to. But at the same time, as a budget hunter, uh, part of doing that is maximizing your time. And there's going to be no better way than to have a better hunt that you possibly are more successful on than to limit the number of people that can go into the same place yeah, that you're going to. Yeah, no doubt. To. I mean, that's, that's a big part of it. And then there's also... If you if you look at it like well say you draw here in Texas for instance and you got eighty bucks or one hundred thirty bucks or whatever mm-hmm. it is uh, to actually buy that particular tag, uh, it doesn't go against those tags. A lot of times don't go against your tags. Plus, like what are you going to spend on a lease if you actually have a lease? So mm-hmm. you know like you could spend fifteen hundred, twenty five hundred, three five thousand dollars on a lease here in Texas just to be a part of a lease mm-hmm. with multiple members or you can go, you know, hunt on a limited quota hunt or whatever for 130 bucks. And if you draw two of them that year, you're still only in 250 bucks, you know, yeah, or whatever. So it's pretty good. It's a pretty good deal, really. And usually, you know? one of the cool things about draw hunts, I mean, those are usually on some type of public land. And you usually get to go to a really neat place, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like even like the obscure East Texas. Uh, WMAs are usually cooler than yeah. your average private land spot because they're more natural. They set them know? aside for yeah, yeah more natural uh, purposes. Mm-hmm. And you know the thing when it comes to other states too, when you're talking about drawing, um, you know you can say seven hundred bucks in Colorado. Well, let's just say okay for like New Mexico or Idaho, a state that doesn't have a point system. You know it's it's it say it's seven hundred bucks if you draw an elk tag. Well, it's it's pretty much that. You know if you draw this. Kind of good tag, or if you mm-hmm. draw this really good tag, mm-hmm. so might as well put in for the really good tag and go on an incredible hunt for the same price as any other hunt that you would yeah. go on, you know. And but you don't get to go on that near as often. But you're saving money when you yeah. don't go. <laughs> <That's good laughs> so maybe, hunting. but then if you only go on like a really awesome hunt, like once every twenty years, you're not very skilled at what you're doing. No, and, and then you end up crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so while we're talking about elk, right quick, let's talk about that. Um, some states are real expensive to go hunt deer and some states you can almost spend about that same amount to go shoot like a cow elk or Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. so if you are interested in shooting something to eat and that's your top priority and trophy hunting is down the list a little bit 
you might think about, you know, going to one of these states where you can get what they call like list B tags or population control tags for cow elk, you know, that's usually later in the year. Mm-hmm. And you're coming out with 200 pounds of meat as opposed to, you know, you shoot, you go to Texas and shoot a scraggly old whitetail, you might leave with 40 pounds of meat, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, it, you, if that is something that you really do value, and, and I would say that I'm somewhere in the middle. I like antlers, mm-hmm. and I like experience, and I like meat. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got to weigh all that out. But if you really, really want to put meat away or you need to <laughs> – this is real, right? You need to justify to your wife why you need to go do this. You know, hey, I'm going to come home with 200 pounds. Also, mm-hmm. those hunts usually have pretty high success rates. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind yeah, as well. So I, you know, uh, real quick, I got – I got two points on this sub- this subject as far as access and stuff mm-hmm. goes. I'm going to throw them out there real quick. Uh, we are already kind of running long on this thing, and I can tell with all Windy. the points we have, um, we're never going to get there. So yeah. let me just throw these out there real quick. One, hunt hogs. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about opportunity and access, you've got tons of it with uh, you know door knocking or on public land, and there's lots of hogs in the state of Texas especially, but anywhere in the south, really, you stand a chance of getting into some hogs. So um, if you're a southern hunter, then go hunt hogs and bring home a lot of meat too, mm-hmm. right? I eat um, that all the time. Yeah, it's, and you make some great dishes with it. I get to partake sometimes. Um, also, go door knocking with a kid. <laughs> so if you have a nephew or a cousin or somebody who's like 16, like say like 9 to 16 or something like that, uh, tell them, hey, let's go find a place to go shoot a deer this year. And you go starting to knock some doors and say, hey, I'm here with old Jimmy John, my cousin, and we were trying to get out and shoot some deer this year. Any chance you got a place that we can, you know, and obviously you've set, you've looked at these people's property, you know, they do, but mm-hmm. you know, anyway, that's a good opportunity for you to get some access. Yeah. There. Those are my two points in regards to access. Yeah. That's a good point. Another thing, uh, I guess back to the public versus private stuff. If you do choose to hunt public land, you need to consider how far that public land is away from your house and how much travel time you're going to have, and also when you get there, how much pressure that place is going to have. Because maybe you've got a place that isn't ideal 30 minutes from home, and you've got a place that's really awesome four hours from home, but it gets a lot of pressure. You might be better off just spending more time in the woods closer to home at not quite as good of a hunting spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in that situation before. You yeah. show up and you think it's going to be awesome, and there's dudes going everywhere, and you're like, oh, yeah. this hurts bad. I've got, you know, and we, we're going to talk a lot about lifestyle stuff t- here in this podcast, too, and I've got one that kind of fits more into that category, but but matches up a lot with what you're saying here, mm-hmm. and it, that's uh, map scout vigorously. So, yeah. you know, spend less gas money and more time, you know, or, or I guess less gas trying to find a deer with your boot scouting and mm-hmm. all this and that, and you're driving, and be more of like a precise tactician uh, when you go to scout and hang cameras and be efficient with your time and hang several cameras when you go out as opposed to having to spend all day finding a place for one or two cameras because you've map scouted you know exactly the point you're going to and this is stuff you can do in bed at night right like mm-hmm. you hop in bed everybody pulls their phone up and looks at their phone for you know 15 to an hour usually yeah. it, it, before they go to sleep you know, when it comes to map scouting, the program we use is Onyx, and I think a lot of people know that, and a lot of people know about the app that we use. Um, you know, we use it a lot uh, when we're on these trips and stuff like that um, to help us be more efficient with our gas there, but we also use it night to night. KC is like always just laying in bed, looking at map stuff, sharing dots with me, saying, what do you think about this? I like this, whatever. And since 2017, when we killed Nameless, we have been believers in Onyx's mapping system. 
and their user-friendly icons and all the things that uh, that help us to kill deer and to collaborate together so that we are effective when we're in the field together. So definitely check out Onyx. Um, but anyway, spend that time on a map, figure out exactly where you're going to go. That way you don't go over there too often in the summer like we did in 2017. <laughs> and you're very precise when you go in there and you get a lot of work done and you know what you're doing before you go in. Yeah, man, that is a good point. I like that a lot because I also <laughs> like the map scout. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't really know what that is or you want to learn how to do it a little bit better, uh, Tyler and I never claim to be experts in anything, but we feel like we're pretty good at the map scouting stuff. We kind of proved it by shooting some deer, you know, kind of sight unseen on some places. And uh, we've got a series on the old interwebs mm-hmm. called the Map Scout Challenge that you should go check out. I think it's linked in the description below. So be it's sure. so good. I have to say, Dude, man, it's I wa- fun. I watched a little bit of one this morning. <laughs> I saw and you I was commented like, on one of them. Yeah, <laughs> on the Tennessee one, I think, or yeah. something like that. I was like, man, this is this is a good series, and I I'm just. I'm not trying to toot our own horn or nothing, but mm-hmm. I worked real hard on that summer or that series last summer, and it was a terabyte of footage. It was an entire summer project working all day, every day on editing this stuff pretty much, and so it turned out really cool, though, man. There's cool music, fun times with the guys, you know. Oh, yeah. Anthony and Sean and some of the other people we got yeah. to hang out with. Oh, so. yeah, man. It's good stuff. It's fun, and uh, we found out a lot of stuff and learned a lot of stuff about deer deer right Mm -hmm. and that's what this is all about trying to kill some deer and we're talking about cervids so that's why we threw elk in there um and it takes a little something to do that you can't just go out in the woods it's not like foraging right Mm -hmm. you actually have to have some gear to kill deer Right, and that's that's, right. Uh, we're going to talk about gear. And I think that if you clicked on this because you thought the budget thing was a cool idea, you probably were thinking gear a lot, mm-hmm. and for good reason because it's really kind of one of the more expensive things. Because what a new bow right now, we just priced them. I think it's eleven hundred and forty nine dollars for some. It depends on which ones, mm-hmm. right? But like that's kind of the median mm-hmm. of what it costs to get into a new bow. Now you can go if you haven't ever bow hunted before you can definitely get into them in cheaper ways and i guess we could probably talk about that you know used um you and i've done the used bow thing quite a bit throughout our lives um Always. i bought a new one about four years ago and have shot it for a while but um it's also a really good way to get into a decent bow that you can kill something with you know you don't have to have the net latest and greatest uh it's the same thing with cars right you, you know that when you drive a new car off the lot it loses a ton of value and i'm sure bows aren't much different you Mm -hmm. know like uh of course you can get outdated on some stuff and they just aren't made to last for a hundred years especially when you're talking about the compounds and stuff of nowadays like you're going to have issues with the limbs and cams and new things that pop up and you're going to need to replace strings and this and that but all that to say if you find a bow that's three or four years old you know on a facebook group or somewhere you got a buddy that's you know he's the new bow every year type of guy what a great guy to take advantage of you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. you're gonna be ignorant so i'm not yep. i'm gonna buy your old bow you know like um but you know seriously uh getting a used bow is a good way to at least get into it or it you know step up from your 15 year old bow to a five-year-old bow or whatever mm-hmm. you know um but uh, i think it's really about just finding something that you're proficient with and feel like you can shoot pretty good yeah for sure i mean that's a to me that's definitely like some of these things we're gonna are gonna be a little bit redundant to the last episode we did which was 16 which so uh, that's like four yeah. years ago but so this it's is been so a while, you don't right? have to go listen but to that one yes preferably <laughs> you don't go listen to that one um so yeah this is this will help you out and then hopefully we will try to i mean my ideas were I was trying to come up with stuff that was a little bit different, but Mm -hmm. there are things that are just good tips, man. Like, um, you know, for me, 
uh, a big part of this gear spot is taking care of your gear. You know, I had that written down that I was going to prompt you to say that. Yeah, you say that a lot. I'm pretty hard on my gear. I don't really take care of my stuff very well. Um, I try to in the off season, you know, kind of take care. But I also have this feeling like it's a tool. I'm going to use it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tear it up. You yeah. Know? But yeah, but there are things you that. can do. You know, like yeah. I mean, uh, buy string wax. We talked mm-hmm. about that in the last episode. Um, you know, use a little bit of string wax. That is a cheap thing that'll keep your string in good shape. And how much is a new string? A hundred and fifty bucks, yeah. pretty much. That's you know? ridiculous. Yeah, it's dude. super expensive. Yeah, and and so there's that. You know, like think about your truck. You know, are you are you running mud tires the whole year you know what i mean like are are you do and you, do you really need them you know like could you get away with some cheaper a tires brand new set of street tires street for tires my truck. Yeah. it's got i mean truck tires still gonna have decent grip and let me tell you yeah. something four wheel drive, drive will get you out of almost anything way more than some <laughs> rackety old mud tire that makes noise going down the road yeah so yeah. there's that gun oil right like keep your your guns in good shape mm-hmm. you know waterproof your boots and some of your gear you know that, that way the waterproofing, um, you know, helps your boots from from cracking and getting, you know, wearing out essentially, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. So, like leather conditioner and waterproofing, uh, you know, compressed air for your electronic devices or anything like that. I mean, you can um, also freeze warts off with that. So, yes. it's a double duty. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, you can do that. I mean, you can blow out your trail cameras with that, right? You mm. know, stuff like that. Um, you know, and then just properly storing gear out of weather is, mm-hmm. is a good thing as well because, you know, like, Things things rust and wear out and UV light. So they do. Everybody was real concerned with me leaving my deer cart out in the <laughs> rain. It's like I think it's going to be fine. It cost yeah. uh, twenty bucks as is. So uh, <laughs> we might just need to get a new one of those. Uh, but. Uh, I guess that brings up a good point. Don't be afraid to buy the cheapo stuff and try it out. You know, you don't yeah. want to buy the cheapest of cheaps and just have it break. Cheaps. I think those are Easter <laughs> snacks. Um, but <laughs> um, uh, at the same time, you know, like you don't have to buy name brand stuff. And I think that goes across the board for gear stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, if you do want your uh, name name brand gear, uh, you can you can find a lot of that on some of these uh, Facebook group pages. Dude, Facebook groups and Facebook marketplace is legit. It is it the marketplace stuff. is a great time to a great place to find a deer cart mm-hmm. and uh, and stuff like that. Old stands, yeah, right? People steal them out of the woods and then they just put them on Facebook marketplace. That's and you exactly, can buy them. You that's know? right. <laughs> you also you know if you like the name brand stuff though, like Sick of Gear has a resale page. Man, like if you're looking for some, if you're looking for you know some nice gear that's mm-hmm. a decent price, you know there's a there's a lot of stuff moving on that page. Oh, you yeah. Know? So yeah. if you're and interested. There's, there's a ton of guys out there, and, and you know, more power to them because they kind of drive the, the market. But, like, there's a bunch of guys who will buy stuff and just lose the, um, you know, the sticker price off of it just to try it because mm-hmm. they are interested in that mm-hmm. and doing that kind of stuff. We got yep. a good buddy that used to be that way. He now has a girlfriend, so he, he doesn't do that as much. <laughs> but before, you know, he'd buy stuff, just try it out, you know, mm-hmm. and, then, and then resell it. And, and it's cool because it just allows more people to try stuff out. Yeah. One of the things that you really have to have specific to yourself is arrows. Yeah. Um, now, I guess there's caveats to that. I mean, you can say, well, the Indians, whatever. Um, you really have to have arrows that really fit your bow and your draw length and all that. And that's another thing with bows is, you know, you need to take it to a shop and get the draw length fitted to you as good as you can, at least, or whatever. But arrows are pretty specific with spine weights and, and uh, you know, GPI and point weight and all that, right? And you can nerd out on that stuff, and we have a few podcasts about that kind of stuff. There's other people out there that really, really go into depth with that, so go check something else out on that. But in general, um, 
in the past, we, especially myself, have been kind of guilty about really wanting to go down the premium route on arrows and really get the highest end stuff. And, and I kind of experimented with some of that stuff. And uh, not to say that I'm going cheapo anymore, but um, I don't know. I kind of got to the point where it didn't make a lot of sense for me and for us as the element to really try to push something that's you know really expensive for people who maybe don't need quite that mm-hmm. right uh there's i still really find a lot of value in a heavy walled heavy arrow i think that's what really does the trick and um <laughs> and i really like these vector arrows mm. that we started shooting, okay? Uh, nothing's wrong with anything we've shot in the past, and quite honestly, about near any arrow will do the trick in the right certain situation. But I think that with these vectors, we found that value spot that they're not as cheap as like, the you know that being at Walmart that has mm-hmm. like the PVC pipe and there's a bunch of different areas and you mm-hmm. go by and thunk, 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 you know, they're not those. That's the wounding deer rack right, right there. Yes. <laughs> Wounder special right here. <laughs> but, um, if you get anything specialized, you know, like if you're used to, you know, carbon, uh, or, or Maxima reds or whatever, or like an Easton axis, a vector's like that, except it's not going to break hardly ever, and you can order them custom-made to your fit, and they show up at your door ready to rock and roll. And that's pretty and they're cool. Gonna, they're going to punch two holes in things a Dude. lot of times, too. <laughs> they sent us, uh, yeah, for real. They're going to pass through because they're heavy, mm-hmm. right? But they sent us uh, a six-pack to try out the other day. and uh, Of arrows. Of arrows, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, dude... I don't know if they're just good at guessing or what, but Isaac sent me the exact error that my bow needs, <laughs> and I don't, I don't think we're going to have to experiment very much. You're, you know, you're like, man, all right, all right, good. I guess that's what I'm shooting this year. Can you <laughs> but, send more of those exact yeah, things? And I think that the there is some value into this idea of getting an arrow that's not going to break every time it goes through a shoulder or every time you know a deer steps on it or whatever. Because I mean. We saw last year with a heavy walled arrow how you can just, you know, a hog can whack it up against a tree and it doesn't break, and then you can still hunt with it, you Mm -hmm. know. And it kind of goes back to that whole, um, you know, back in the day you shoot aluminum arrows, and if they even touched anything, they were toast, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I really think that there is quite a bit of value in having something durable Mm -hmm. like that. For sure, man. Yeah. Um, You know, one thing that I know we're talking mostly deer stuff here, but – you know, one thing that my dad did, I don't know, over 10 years ago that has been nice is he just bought like cases of shotgun shells. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, when you buy cases of shells and they last you for 10 years, which they will if you keep them in a good spot, right? Mm-hmm. Dry spot, like they'll last you and they'll be just fine. Now you've got all this ammo that like, you know, you spent prices uh that were you know 10 years ago minus inflation Mm -hmm. you know and and that's that's what you're shooting now it appreciates yes so it's like if you got the money to drop whatever you know a couple hundred bucks or several hundred or a couple thousand bucks on on you know ammo it's a good idea Mm -hmm. now right now we've we're seeing like ridiculous ammo prices and shortages if you can find everything else yeah Yeah. and so like i think you know then we're seeing the same thing in a lot of parts of the economy i'm not going to get too far on a tangent here but just real quick like we're seeing these these hiked prices we're seeing like some crazy 
builders markets and buyer in uh, you know seller markets and stuff. And I think I'm not trying to be a fear monger here, but I think that this won't last forever. If you know, if you're following what I'm saying, so just hang in there. Yeah, maybe in a year or so you might find some better prices mm-hmm. on ammo and other things. Yeah, just maybe don't go plink a thousand rounds this weekend. Just save them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that way you don't need to buy more, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, so speaking of bullets, um, the uh, the tips of these arrows are called broadheads. Mm-hmm. And I think that broadheads are kind of the baby brother to the whole new bow every year kind of guy. Um, where people like to experiment and mess around with it, and it's kind of easy to do as opposed to like experimenting with arrows is tough because you have to be able to do some math and mm. you know tune and all that kind of stuff. Whereas like a one twenty five is a one twenty five, mm. right? So guys like to kind of jump back and forth and try all kinds of different types of broadheads. And if you like to do that, there's nothing wrong with that. But this is bucks on a budget, right? Mm-hmm. If you find something that works, just stick with it and always shoot it because it's never going to not work because the deer don't really change. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. always going to be about the same. Yeah. Now, you can go you know, to Alberta or something and find big old thick-skinned whitetails or whatever, but for the most part, they're still going to be you know, hair, skin, bone, good stuff, and yeah. the other way going out. Hopefully right? lungs. Hopefully lungs, <laughs> yes. I, you know, that's doubles. That's, for me, like um, – Pretty much, I don't know, years and years and years, over a decade, I pretty much used very similar, a very similar thing. You know, like I, I used to use a Spitfire, um, uh, 100 grain, three blades, you know, mm-hmm. and then they came out with like a cut on contact that looked like kind of like a rage or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I tried those for a few years and they worked well fine, you know, but it's the same broad head. It's just got a cut on co- contact head kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so like, for me, that's that was what I did. You know, I just I said, okay, well, here's something that I don't really have to spend money on. I know it. I know it mm-hmm. works. I've killed deer with it, and but now I I feel a little bit of more of a responsibility to try a few different things mm-hmm. and tell people, hey, this what is works, what we're seeing. Because yeah. I mean, this is I mean, podcasts. If if there's an entertaining aspect, I'm sure, but a lot of you guys are here to to find out some information, right? So, mm-hmm. we're, I mean, if I don't have uh, any more dimensions to me than, you know, what I've been doing for the last 20 years on something and can't tell you a whole lot, then you may not want to hang around and listen to me. <laughs> that's so right. I just want, that's kind of like where I feel a little bit of responsibility and trying mm-hmm. some new stuff. And at the same time, like I am a very big proponent of if you find something that works, there's not a whole lot of reason to change it up most mm-hmm. of the time, you know. I can tell you this, though. I used to shoot rages a whole lot. <clears throat> and they work real good on whitetail around here. Um, I shot a rage into an elk that should have killed him, and it didn't because mm-hmm. it didn't go in very far one time. And uh, I think that there's a couple aspects to that. A, uh, mechanicals on elk aren't the greatest idea. Mm-hmm. You can do it. And then I'm sure some of you that are listening have shot elk and mechanical. And I killed elk and mechanicals, right? Um, but B, most mechanical broadheads, once you shoot them, it's expended. Like, mm-hmm. it's done. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's one of the things that I really like about fixed blade broadheads is that you can eat, you can get two different types. You can get the kind that you sharpen, and you get the kind that you replace blades in. I think either one is probably in the long run. If you find one that you like a lot, um, a more inexpensive option or a less expensive option, uh, that's kind of a double uh, <laughs> describer right there, but a less expensive option would be to get something like a, you know, cut on contact, uh, you know, one piece broadhead, maybe bleeders or whatever that you can resharpen and just use because mm-hmm. yeah, it might be, you know, 
60 bucks for three at 90 bucks for three whatever you know whatever you want to spend but if you can just sharpen that thing and use the same broadheads over and over again until you lose one like that's a whole lot better than oh i just shot a squirrel with that rage and now it's toast and yeah. that cost me 14 dollars. i've done that too right yeah. uh, you but, know why they named them rage uh because it makes you real mad when the deer runs off with them just <laughs> you know stuck in your shoulder no, i was thinking it was, it's because uh they knew that everybody everybody that deer hunts is going to have some kind of raging point about a rage broadhead <laughs> yeah good or bad <laughs> good right? or bad yeah man. i've got you know i've got one more uh in, in as far as gear goes and it's more of kind of a saving tip mm-hmm. um I think this is something that you, I may have learned this from you, I think. Um, but, um, my tip is buy blaze paracord and you can make things that you need out of it for one. But like one thing that I've done with it is like on my grunt call, I tie Mm -hmm. a loop, uh, you know, maybe six inch loop on the end of it with blaze paracord. And Mm -hmm. I can hang my grunt call anywhere in a tree whenever, whenever I'm doing the mobile hunting thing. I can just find a spot on a limb or whatever. I mean, it literally can be the tiniest little, you know, one leaf limb and mm-hmm. I can just hang it, loop it over that. So there's that purpose. But then if that thing does, if it gets windy and blows that out of that little one leaf, <laughs> you know, like it goes to the ground, but it's easy to find. Right. Mm-hmm. And and if I look down at the ground during my hunt, I go, Oh yeah, I dropped my grunt it's call. Like, don't tactic. forget when I get down to get that, but it's easier to find, you know, so yeah. it helps you, uh, it keeps you from losing gear. Um, I do the same thing with, you know, you did it with your keys. You got uh, orange yeah. paracord on your keys, you know. I got it on my rangefinder, my keys, and yep. my rattling antlers. Yeah, And rattling maybe antlers. something else, too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I need to put it on my grunt call. Yeah. that Because, I mean, I got that little wooden grunt call. It's good little. Yeah. yeah. I mean, killed a deer in Kansas with it. So, man, <laughs> yeah, that makes me pretty happy. God, <laughs> that's right. Calling me in. That's right, dude. No, that's a good, that's a good one. And that's kind of just more like a gear tip. But it is budget when you're talking about trying to not lose stuff. Yeah. And it's super inexpensive. I mean, you get paracord at Walmart for like four bucks for... 100 foot or something yeah. or maybe cheaper than that and i don't know you're you're saving um you know you're saving having to buy different things that mm-hmm. you can hang you know your gear with or yeah. whatever or like these different you know whatever it could be mm-hmm. like for instance your your antlers right mm-hmm. well you could have bought some leather and done the same thing but like then it's about, brown then it's brown then it's expensive i lost <laughs> some antlers and this is why this happened i lost <laughs> yeah. them on public and it had a green cord and i we couldn't find them looked around yeah. from the dark but if it had an orange it'd stick out like that yeah. you know yeah uh and you can especially buy paracord that has reflectors in it oh yeah and i don't that's know right. i mean there might be something weird with deer vision there that i don't know about but as far as i know i don't think you'd have any problems with it like yeah. some orange with some reflector in it that'd be sharp oh, you know yeah. they use it for uh like guy lines on tents, you know, mm-hmm. that's what people use that for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's good stuff. Let's, I have a couple more on gear and I'll just run them kind of, kind of high level just to make sure. And, you know, for, uh, time usage here that we're not just going super long, but when it comes to sights on your bow, not everybody needs a seven pin adjustable slider with a flip out and a light on it or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> like for most folks, a pin, a three pin sight that's just fixed that shoots 20, 30, 40 is going to kill. I mean, how many shots have you taken a deer over 40 yards? Zero. How many shots should you take a deer that over 40 I, at yards? At least that I yeah, knew that you knew, were knew or 40 yeah. yards. But in general, like that's out past 40 for most people is pretty tough, especially mm. in a hunting situation. Now, I know there's all kinds of other aspects, and you're probably like, well, KC, blah, blah, blah. but in general, <laughs> like three pin sights fixed is going to kill 90% of the stuff out there. You mm-hmm. know, so do you really need to go spend $300 on a sight, or can you get by mm-hmm. with an $89 True Glow that 
does it. Well, here's so. the thing: is uh, you can set that you can set that top pin at 25, mm-hmm. and for most bows, especially you guys that aren't doing the budget bow thing, and that you have brand new bows, mm-hmm. that sucker's fast enough to pretty much just put your top pin on 25 and cover everything yeah. in between there. You yeah, know? absolutely. So man. then you're looking at 45 on the mm-hmm. on the other end. You know, <clears throat> so uh, <clears throat> camo stuff. I think that we could talk about this for hours, and we have, actually. We have a Camo System podcast, uh, I think maybe episode 160-something. Yeah. Uh, There's a video on that yeah, podcast, too, yeah, yeah, for yeah. YouTube. Um, so go check that stuff out. I'll put a link to that below, too. I'm write that down. But uh, um, you need to look at sale racks for Camo. You need to check out some of the brands that aren't maybe like the top tops that you hear about all the time because everybody's coming out with a new and improved digitized version of Camo, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's like... A uh, first light knockoff or a sick knockoff or whatever. There's all, there's all kinds of stuff out there that's pretty good. And what you're going to get with those is at the the lower ends, you know, the lighter weight stuff. It's still going to be great concealment. When you step up into the, like the better jackets and the warmth stuff, like you're going to get what you pay for when it comes to weight. You know, like you can stay warm for two hundred dollars. You can stay warm for a thousand dollars. But for two hundred dollars, you're gonna look like a, a bottomless snowman. And for <laughs> which yeah. um, Tyler has a pair of coveralls that were probably twenty mm. years old. I bet they had that real tree. Uh, what was that called? Is it extra brown or I don't know. It has the real oak leaf looking yeah, stuff yeah. on. Those are that's some good camo, man. <laughs> I know, I love it. And, but uh, it's like getting into a sleeping bag. But yeah. they're not lightweight. They're yeah. heavy. Um, but they're cool. I kind of wish I had a pair too. I yeah. used to, and I don't. Bill know Jordan pays us to wear that. That's so. right. <laughs> Um, so look at sale racks. Check out some of the knockoff stuff. I found some Veil camo at Academy the other day. I don't even know what Veil is or if it's like the Colorado or if it's like the thing of bride wears. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it looked real good. And I was mm. like, man, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so uh, check out you know your big-name retailers uh, this time of year before they're getting in the new stuff. And even like Academy has sales in September like coming up. You know, And they'll have cheap cotton camo. And, you know, if you're a box buy hunter, you don't even really need camo or whatever. You know, mm. just make sure you're buying stuff that is applicable to what you need. I see guys all the time. I follow, <laughs> I used to work for a guy who now owns a high fence place. I know his pastures. One is 210 acres and one's 90 acres. <laughs> and I cannot tell you how many people I see pictures of that have hunted on his property that are in $1,500 worth of camo. <laughs> This is not a podcast where I explain the merits of uh, free range versus high fence. However, if you can't go kill a scimitar horned oryx in blue jeans and a t-shirt <laughs> in 90 acres, then maybe you need to reconsider some things, okay? Uh, but that's probably a good point to say, dude, we run some puffy solid jackets. You wear it every day, summer, winter, spring, it doesn't matter, but like, dude, solids are where it's at yeah. for most applications. I mean, I... Uh, I shot, I don't know if I shot a deer. Did you shoot a deer in that solid jacket this year? I mean, yeah. I, know I shot him wearing it, but like as your outer. Uh, we I know other people, so. like Chris B., our buddy, he, sh- he shoots deer with a bow wearing solids in a tree stand all the time. And uh, it just is going to depend on like if I need more clothes on or not. That's I mean, just a piece in the my The only thing I worry about wearing that solid is being on the ground during the shot. rut. Getting <laughs> shot. <laughs> getting gored. Getting, yeah. getting hunched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ran that situation after I shot my deer in Kansas. There was a buck chasing does right by me, and I got a little bit scared. You I probably know. had your solid on the outside. <laughs> I did. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a camo talk. Also, uh, real quick, um, 
to be waterproof is either going to cost you like 20 bucks or 250 so <laughs> yeah. make your choice uh they're both pretty lightweight though so that's pretty nice mm-hmm. um trail cameras probably the last thing to talk mm, about yeah. uh on gear uh if y'all have any other ideas of, or good budget saving things let us know but um we've ran some really expensive trail cameras we ran some really cheap trail cameras uh there's definitely merits to all of them uh you need to decide if you want a quantity a large quantity of cheaper trail cameras or a couple really good trail cameras or something in the middle i think we're pretty much something in the middle guys Mm -hmm. a stuff that's going to be in that 80 to 120 130 range is going to fit real nice for us and a lot of people really um because you want something that works there's nothing worse than walking up to a trail camera and be like oh uh it didn't take pictures and i can't tell you why yeah and i'm you a know? mile back here <laughs> exactly. and it's 160 i was really hoping to know if there's a deer here right <laughs> um and uh another thing you can look for is bundle packs on trail cameras like um what uh moultrie sent us some the other day that are like 79 or less dollar bundles that have a sd card and batteries and all kinds of stuff in them and uh dude you can't like if you want to total all three of those things together your camera's going to have to cost you like 40 bucks to make even anywhere close to the value of what that is mm-hmm. which is pretty cool and 16 gig card so i mean that's like over a month's worth of stuff for most people yeah and then you can also uh there's there's uh, a lot of companies or and or sellers like ebay guys mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing or Facebook Marketplace, they have these listings of like, you know, buy four or buy ten for this price. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you can get you know multiple multiple deals. On yeah, these. yeah, absolutely. Um, also, nowadays, this is what's different than whenever we did this four years ago. Cell cameras are cheap. Like yeah. they used to be. Like you know, those Reconyx boys are the only ones in, in the <laughs> yeah. game. But dude, I mean. Now, like $100 cell cameras, you know, like mm-hmm. Moultrie's fixing to come out with that Delta, mm-hmm. and it's going to have cloud storage. Like, you don't even have to have a big SD card. You can literally get on the app and delete photos from your SD card that's in your camera, store them on your cloud, and, like, you only need one SD card. There's no more swapping it around. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be awesome. So, for 99 bucks, <clears throat> you can get a Moultrie Delta cell camera that has Verizon or AT&T, I think, or T-Mobile or I think, something. I think it's AT&T yeah. and Verizon. Yeah, so pretty much a carrier that, and you don't actually have to have that carrier yourself, yeah. you know, but just like they're going to have towers for most places. Yeah. If you have cell servers where you go, you can get a cell camera for 100 bucks. <laughs> yeah. that's going to work pretty good and send you pictures to your phone. That's just yeah. hard to beat, man. And Hunter, I know you're not listening, but uh, <laughs> you do have to format that SD card even though chip. you only need one. You need to format the chip. chip. Sorry, he didn't understand yeah. when I said not SD delete, card. but format you had to format the chip <laughs> to, even though you only need one for the yeah. rest of your life yeah so that's what i know about gear and of course there's all kinds of trinkety all kinds of other stuff we can talk about i mean we didn't even talk about guns and stuff right mm-hmm. but um i guess just to make mention of it like you don't have to go buy a new rifle you don't even have to have a rifle to go gun hunt right i had a buddy in college who Shot a deer with his 870 and killed it, and we ate it. You know what I mean? Like on a local WMA near the college town. Like, it's not rocket science. Actually, ballistics is rocket science. But, like, <laughs> yeah, as far as like shooting a deer with a gun, you don't have to go crazy mm-hmm. with it, right? It's a lot of fun, too. And if you have the budget for that, absolutely. But mm-hmm. we are trying to not spend that much money on stuff. Yeah. So, um, you can buy blemished uh, stock, Woodstock uh, guns that are used for per- probably pretty good price, dude, too. You know? you know what I miss is, uh, Used to, at Cabela's, you could go in there, and they had, like, a big used rack. Mm-hmm. 
I should have bought a bunch of those seven six two by thirty nines. I don't remember what they're called, right? But like, yeah. they're like a hundred dollars, and they're old, you know, Soviet mm-hmm. guns or whatever. How cool would it be to have a couple of those just to be able to shoot a pig with or whatever? Because you—that's the one. I went to Academy yesterday. You could find um, what is that goofy? Oh, the. 450 legend or whatever that new cartridge is that somebody came out with to be able to use it. you could find those mm-hmm. no one in texas is going to shoot that <laughs> <laughs> you could find um <clears throat> something else obscure i can't remember what it was and then 762 by 39 that was the other shit and they had a ton of those things mm-hmm. you know and it's like man mm. it, you wouldn't have any ammo shortage because yep. the soviets literally made billions <laughs> of rounds of that back in the cold war but uh, whatever anyways i think that's going to probably be the end of gear for <clears> us and now we're going to talk about some fun stuff that we have been doing here lately still on the budget-minded side of stuff right mm-hmm. um you and I both have purchased properties, which doesn't sound very budget-minded, but we're doing it in a budget fashion, right? We're, we're taking what we love to do and finding a way to make it affordable to us. Mm-hmm. We both bought properties in that 20-ish acre range, and we are making improvements to those properties that are not, you know, I'm going to buy RTP seed drills <laughs> and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, we're using what we have, some rakes, some shit. Some shovels, some hoes. All by the way, you can't Mm-mm, say it on Facebook anymore. Saying, don't, don't say that on Facebook. <laughs> You'll get banned. Um, but um, <clears throat> we're using the tools on hand and maybe some creative and uh, just cheapo type stuff to try to experiment and find ways to improve the deer habitat on our properties or the huntability of our properties. One of the things we did recently is I have borrowed a tractor from a buddy. Actually, did some work swapping. I did a little bit of work, a little trim work at his dad's place for use of his tractor and i put in um my vegetable garden i put in a watermelon patch which is going to probably turn into a pea patch come late summer Mm -hmm. and i'm going to um have deer food there you can by the way if y'all don't know this talk about budget you can buy the black eyed peas from the store that come you know in like two pound bags for two dollars or whatever and it's the same stuff as you buy in the little seed packets yeah, it'll grow and sprout. Maybe True not have seed, tasty. Yeah, anything. yeah. It might not have. Yeah, they're they're they're. What would you call that? I can't remember. But yeah, true to type. So like mm. they don't they're not be crossing anything. Um, they might not have quite the same germination rates, but I guarantee you it's over fifty percent, probably closer to eighty percent germination rate. So uh, I'm gonna take a bag of black eyed peas and put them out there. You know, once the melons start drying up in August and get some water on them and hopefully by october i'll have a good bean patch out there that the deer are hitting because mm-hmm. i know you always hear soybeans 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 on deer but they'll eat anything that's in that Dude, family if it's a legume <laughs> is that legumes i don't know i don't, if know. That, I don't know if they are or not i don't but. know but peas peas and beans oh, they pretty much them. just yeah. doesn't matter so uh what i was trying to get at is that also while i had that tractor bought we used bought uh borrowed <laughs> we used it to uh put in um, some privacy screening on both of our properties for whitetails. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that privacy screen, we took this cold I feel like I owe you. Do you? I, I didn't know that you did work to borrow that thing. Oh, it's not a big deal. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, so I uh, took that and had a cultivator. It's five foot wide. Did two swipes uh, wide, but it took a couple runs to really get all the grass chewed up. And then um, we actually put in with a uh, planter type thing that i also borrowed um deer corn 
and seed my or feed Milo that you get from the feed store. Mm-hmm. And I know that those both of those things will sprout. And that's all we're really going for because we're not trying to produce a crop out of it. We just need the visual barrier. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter to me if it's like, well, it's not going to pollinate well or it's not going to produce the same type of <laughs> ear of corn. That doesn't matter, right? Because we're trying to get something tall and green that will last. Mm-hmm. And what we could have done it with like not even near as much seed as we bought, but we'll probably multipurpose that for feeding and stuff. But I've already fed all my corn. Have you? Yeah, it's all it's all been eaten. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Did it, so this is a problem you had. Did, did the hogs end up coming in and ravage real bad? Or are you going to actually think, have man, some stuff I don't in the ground? Know. Like what's it's weird. So you guys can actually go see this video. Um, this releases on uh, Thursday, April 29th. Um, where we show what we did to my property and we seeded corn and Milo. I had trouble even finding some of the Milo um, over the last couple of days, but there there was a lot more than I could find corn, which I didn't go digging around too much. Mm-hmm. And I covered some of it up, but like, and, and it didn't look like the hogs are really rooted too much, but I couldn't see, I couldn't find any corn. And I would go back out and put corn out again and like, I saw them out the other night. The pigs? But, yeah. But, oh, you should have raised them. Well, I was going to, but there was also 10 deer in my pasture, and when they took off, um, of course, you know, the pigs are smart yeah. enough you know, to know yeah. that the deer know something that they yep. don't know. <laughs> yeah, and they all took off back into the woods, so I just waited them out till about dark, and then they didn't come back out, so I walked up to the tree line and blasted 322 volts into the woods <laughs> i was like Go away, piggies. yeah, yeah. so uh but i mean the thing is like i, I just don't know if the corn's gonna do it so i actually uh, if you've been watching some of the instagram stuff lately um i did some fertilization and um that hopefully what that will do is i've got this um native grass is called partridge pea and it's a um I guess it's a legume of some sorts, but it's uh, it essentially puts off a tiny little bean pod. Um, and I had a bunch of that take off last year and it gets super tall. It gets like five, six foot in some places. And so what I did was I fertilized um, some of the areas that were thick with that up in that same general area as my screen, which uh, basically took the, um, you know, will we'll take the place of that screening if, if it does fail. So, um, I also have some blue stem that's pretty tall up there as well. And so I did some, uh, I, I sent some, put some lime down because that'll help the soil base in the next few months as that stuff starts to mature towards the end of summer. So those are kind of my ideas, uh, which are pretty cheap ideas, um, for getting that stuff, uh, to turn into some kind of screening one way or another, um, that's stuff you can do with just a simple $50, you know, spreader as opposed to having to borrow a trailer and all that stuff, which is, is, you know, ideal if you can, especially if you don't have hogs to ruin a plot for you. So anyway, um, I, those are a few things that kind of, I have done with my property. I know Casey and I have done some, um, some grafting as well. Now that's something that, um, is fairly inexpensive to do. And, um, if you're a good, um, if you're a good public right away road ditch scouter, you can also uh, get in on some of the more uh, prolific fruit bearing trees that may inhabit those ditches. And you can turn <laughs> your property into that if you have that property. I know you kind of wanted to talk a little bit about like why uh, why buying a property is actually a budget minded thing to do. That's true. And by the way, guys, Stone has joined the podcast. He's being quiet right now. But if you hear baby noise, sorry. Um, so I did some little redneck math, 
and um, I know some places are going to be fi- kind of more expensive to lease than what I'm going to tell you. But like, if you want a decent lease, kind of in the central part of Texas or South Texas, uh, I know a place that I have a buddy who leases his place, and it's about <clears throat> eight grand a gun, and that gets you uh, a week of turkey season and bow season in the month of November and then the Christmas week as well for hunting their place. So it's not really a season lease even, right? And wow. and you're going to find some places that are cheaper than that. Like I said, you're going to find some places that are way more expensive than that. But that's like a good place where you got a really great chance to shoot 150 every year, mm. you know, um, which is kind of <clears throat> what we're all looking for, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so eight grand a year. And if you divide that by 12 – that's gonna get you what? What does that come? You're, you're Mr. Quick Math on your feet. So. Well, uh, eighty four would be seven, so six and a half ish. Six 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 fifty six hundred fifty dollars yep. a month. Yeah. So my property costs us uh, per month, I believe four fifty per month is what our note costs us. Now that's over twenty years or whatever it is, right? Mm. I'm giving y'all some uh, personal finance details, so just you know, take that for what it is. But and then you have property taxes too, which runs about twelve hundred dollars a month. I mean, twelve hundred dollars a year. But we're going to get that into wildlife some point in time. It's going to go down to about eighty dollars a year yeah. once you do that. But um, there's the, so many aspects to all of this, right? Yes, like absolutely owning a property, like because mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like the chances of like so you got a good chance of shooting 150 on that lease every mm-hmm. year you probably don't have a good chance of shooting 150 here every no year. but you're, but there's so many other th- benefits right yeah, you don't have just, to drive six hours to go to the lease and yeah. you don't have which their place is not this way but i've had leases where like when you're not there you don't know who, who's yeah. out there yeah. you know and you don't have that that unrest and you don't have the gas you're burning you don't have all this stuff that you're trying to do whereas like at home, you can go out there and hunt in the evening and still come in and cook supper for your family. Year-round. Year-round. I mean, That's you got right. a year-round opportunity. I grafted a persimmon tree this morning on my own property, you yeah. know, and it's costing me six grand a year to own or something like that, yeah. you know. So um, sometimes land ownership is actually less expensive than a deer lease. Yeah, and I would say that the timing um, of – the purchases of our properties were pretty well planned Ooh, right now. I like, could sell mine for so oh, much more. Me too. Like I could literally, guys, you don't even understand, but like I could, I could uh, almost retire off of what I know. <laughs> you know, nuts? like it feels like at least, yes. you know, but like I could make a lot, a lot of money on mm-hmm. my property and I just bought it a year ago, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I mean, there's obviously never a better time than now to buy a property, but you know, I, I do think that, uh, probably maybe two years from now we're going to really see it be a good time to buy property as well so keep that in your back pocket and think about it and like like we were saying there's so many benefits man you get year round you don't have to uh you don't have to hunt amongst uh cattle 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 that are grazing on your property if you don't want to to choose what's out there yeah Yeah. i mean that i bet there's cattle grazing on that property down there Mm -hmm. yes may or may not be but usually they don't destroy it because they're actually they like to hunt too yeah that's part of the other deal with their place though is that like family still hunts the property yeah but everybody works together, and it all makes sense. Everybody's sure. after the same stuff, and the carrying capacity is so high on deer down there. And uh-huh. that's one of the, you know, I guess the negatives to what you're talking about around here is that our deer densities aren't going to be that high. You don't know what Joe Schmo next door is shooting and all that kind of stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's definitely a positive to both aspects. But if you want that benefit and the enjoyment of land ownership, it's, mm-hmm. it is obtainable in within most people's budget. Yeah, You, know, you just have sure. to take other steps in your life to make that happen. Like, yeah. Me and my wife don't live in a big, brand new house. You know, mm-hmm. we live in a 
older house, but it's still nice. Yeah. Um, unless we've torn it up with baby stuff <laughs> yeah. everywhere, you know. And uh, I know y'all haven't even had a house for quite a few uh, years. You're finally building one, yeah, which is cool. I cannot, it can't happen soon enough. Like <laughs> There are things that I really want to do, and I'm like, it's going to put us out another month. I can't do it. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, we're, we're getting into this lifestyle stuff now, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a part, that's a big part of this whole hunting on a budget kind of thing. You know, one thing um, I, would, uh, I would suggest is to find a friend who will do taxidermy. <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, yeah. That's something that, uh, you know, I, I have, you and I, I guess both have, uh, a friend that will do Euro mounts at a mm-hmm. pretty good rate and does a really good job, you know, and obviously being a friend, like he's going to, he's going to do it right. You know, he's not going to just, you know, fly through it or whatever. So that's a good thing. Um, <clears throat> I know our, we got a friend Cody, um, that he's got friends that do taxidermy for him that will do full body mounts that do a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. And full body mounts? Not full body, daggone it. <laughs> Shoulder mounts. They probably like, would really? do a full body if you asked them to, you know, <laughs> uh, which he should have probably got that one he shot down here or done that way. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's kind of a once in a lifetime deal. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's a. You know, that's kind of a tip I have, you know. I mean, you could also shoot smaller bucks if you didn't want to spend as much on Texas. That's right. Euros so. are way cheaper. <laughs> you ran into that last year. I talked you into a shoulder mount on a, on a Texas deer. I was like, maybe you got to, man. Dude, I mean, I'm glad that I did now. Yeah, you know, it's like, going to be awesome. I had to think about it, you know, at the time because I'm like, man, I got a lot of season ahead and mm-hmm. lots of tags and stuff, you know, and I already got one at the taxidermy, so... Um, which I've got back, which yeah. I'm excited about, and yeah. hopefully we'll be able to hang that sucker soon. So I hope you do because I'm ready to see him. Another thing, uh, I guess, just real quick, that doesn't have to have a lot of uh, extra talk to it is, um, ow, are you okay? Stone just <laughs> whacked his head up against the headphones. He like took skin off your ear, dude. Ooh. Ow. Um, just all it is one sentence. Quit dipping. <laughs> that's all I have to say to y'all. Quit dipping, and you'll and you'll have Quipping. a lot more money. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's. I was behind somebody the other day, um, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm not, you know, thinking about this all the time or nothing. But like, I was behind somebody at the convenience store the other day, and I was like, they. Uh, they said, I'll take a pack of Marlboro short somethings, whatever. And like, I saw them put down like a $20 bill and I was like, I wonder how much they're going to get out back out of that $20 bill. You know, it's like one of those things you have to, you have to kind of, uh, or I was kind of thinking about, you know, and I'm like, man, that's a, uh, it's expensive when you talk about like, uh, dipping or smoking. I mean, you're talking about buying another, uh, lunch every day or whatever, you know, so could get pretty pretty rough another thing i think about you know is like if you're in a bait state just throw corn you know what i mean like that's something that i, I always uh think like you've got these flavored corns um you've got these different uh different kinds of you know attractants and baits and and uh you can you know do some planning and we've talked about doing some planning as far as the screening goes and stuff when we talked about earlier but you know you could plant food plots and stuff like that but uh, time and money are a couple of things you have to think about when you do that, as opposed to going out there and filling up a feeder or hand feeding corn, which is typically just the cheapest thing that you can <clears throat> that you can feed, um, and it works wonders. So if you're in a bait state, that's something that's a tip that I would definitely give out. Um, you know, I talked about the map scouting thing earlier. That was something that I kind of uh, talked about, and I think that's a very important thing. Um, you know. We use Onyx. Onyx is uh, just since what twenty 
17, I think, is when we started using it. We killed uh, Nameless because of Onyx <laughs> using that that year. Um, that was what made us big-time believers, and we, we've used it ever since. They believe in what we're doing here, too, and it means a lot that a big company like that can see, um, you know, that something that means so much to us is also something, you know, valuable to them. And so anyway, it's, I just want to kind of throw out, throw that out there. It's, you know, having a mapping system, uh, outside of just, um, Google or whatever can definitely help you out. So, um, you know, make sure that, uh, you're with that on with that, with that scouting system, you're spending less gas, um, going places when you can just hop on your phone at night and, Save that gas, or as Casey says, the Biden gas, which is uh, increasingly more and more expensive. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you know, another thing that um, that Casey does really well, Mm. and I think that it was important for other people to understand that they need to learn to make a good sandwich. So that's right. I think that a good sandwich will keep you from craving junk food and stuff that you can spend a lot of money on. on a I'll eat trip. sandwiches every day yeah. of, for lunch and most days dinner on a trip. If I get to have pickles, lettuce, tomato, all that stuff on there. Dude, how many Cherokee purples are we going to put on a oh, sandwich this year? I've got a bunch. <laughs> we got a bunch of options. Kellogg's breakfast, mm. all this stuff. I got some blue ones, man. Do you have any blue? No. I got several Stop. different. I got indigo rose and. Stop some different blue tomatoes as well so mm, that's gonna be crazy i know so anyways the uh ability to make a good sandwich is a big deal my youth kids always say like man sandwiches are so much better with y'all and it's legit because it's not nasty craft american cheese what and, are the keys what are the keys real quick oh deli meat mm-hmm. and some type of like jack cheese that or um like a monster, monster yeah. or a Varty or something like that, mm-hmm. or and then like good mayonnaise, not Miracle Whip because yeah. it's gross. Dukes, uh, <laughs> yeah, Dukes is what we eat a lot of. And then we would like I, for you're them not to really a pickle sandwiches. guy, but I, I I like pickles a lot. It I do them when you when you have them slab yeah. pickles, man, on them yeah, sandwiches, them, them, uh, them stackers. Or if you want to swap out uh, those pickles for some yellow peppers, mm. Mm, that's a good like way to pepperoncinis? do it. Yeah, or yeah. just a, a banana ring or whatever's what I what I've got. In there right now, and that's are they? Gonna... Uh, are those those the pickled ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the banana, the pickled banana peppers really? that much. I just don't. Oh I'm man, gonna... I'm gonna make a bunch of them this year. You know, are out you... of the garden. Yeah, yeah. I like them a lot. At least the ones I've had in the past. And I don't I've know. Got a... Maybe whatever you're throwing I've, down on the home I've style. Got, I've got the budget brand in there too, and it's pretty good. Really? So, yeah. Well, that's buddy. good to know. Yeah. I think that's a good thing because you know, I mean, about as cheap as you can go on a on a hunting trip is Taco Bell. And you're still going to spend, you know, seven to eleven bucks. I used to be way cheaper. I know, it's crazy. I, dude. I used to be able to go to Taco Bell in college and get out of there for like three sixty three or something, mm-hmm. man. Which that was like, you know, forty forty six years ago. If we wanted to ago. buy the twelve pack of tacos, we could still do it and get out pretty cheap. But yeah, man, gotta get some some of the I good stuff yeah. there. And that's the other thing is maybe maybe we will do that some this year on the road. But like for the most part, like I don't eat Taco Bell a whole lot, so I kind of want to. Get something when I'm there, you know? know. So, anyway, that's one thing. You know, in in regards to uh, learning to make a good sandwich, being something, you know, and food and everything, I'm going to stay on this. Learn to cook. So, follow me for a second here. If if you cook a delicious, just on-point, wild game meal for your family and they eat them, because I know so many guys that are like, my my wife won't eat deer meat, you know? (laughs) And it's like... 
and, and that that can put a hamper or a damper, sorry, on what you've got. I, I need to go do some laundry. You can put a hamper on it. It would just, you know, <laughs> you, you could put a hamper on top of somebody and they can't go anywhere. <laughs> so exactly I get what right. you're saying. Uh, on, it, but it, you know, like essentially, if you if you can cook really well and understand like. I don't know how to disguise the meat a little bit until they get more comfortable with it or whatever Dude, it is. Lots of cumin, lots of chili powder, lots of garlic. Noodles, you know, yes. like dishes that it, in, it is included mm-hmm. in, right? You know, you'll be you'll with with that and you've got your family eating it, especially your wife and that kind of thing. You'll be so much more like fiscally efficient in the way that you're spending money to harvest deer in regards to that, like use it, utilizing that against your grocery budget, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that uh, essentially is a way to kind of save or use money responsibly um i think that that's like to me that's kind of like where i'm where i'm at with all this lifestyle stuff um you know i think that there's a couple of there's definitely other things you can talk about like you said you could get on the old wild uh bald white man podcast and listen to that's right. guys tell you uh more better money saving yeah. techniques and or that you kind could, of thing, uh, yeah. i guess kind of the wrap it up is this will be a great uh thing for you to do. start a podcast and uh do a bunch of work and then you can get on pro staffs and maybe one of these days people will pay you money to shoot their stuff and all that that's what we did but yeah. uh yeah, yeah. Uh, Honestly, um, if you don't have a podcast now, I'd advise not starting it because it's actually pretty tough to do. Um, (laughs) One thing you can do, though, uh, this is the last tip I got. Yeah. Um, You can tune into the gear reviews on the Element YouTube channel. That's right. And watch some of those, and that'll help you to spend that money more wisely, I guess. Mm -hmm. So you can see how we, you know, we've got some unboxings and just straight up gear reviews and that will kind of tell you what we like what we don't and if you're not already doing that that can help you to spend your money wisely on different pieces of gear that we have reviewed so something to kind of help you out there but uh anyway guys i appreciate you listening through this one with us hopefully it was a little more exciting a little bit faster paced than the than the previous one which was episode 16 like i said which yeah. is however many years I think ago people downloaded that one kind of like asmr or whatever they listened to it while they slept <laughs> <laughs> kind of like golf on sunday afternoon yeah yeah yeah, yeah. take a nap so yeah. uh, hopefully you didn't nap through this one you gained something from it and uh you know there's other things if you've got questions about gear if you've got questions about anything that we've said in this podcast feel free to reach out you can send us an email through the website or uh just a message through any of our social media um remember to check out the uh youtube channel like i said for some of the gear reviews um some of the the camo podcasts that you talked about earlier and um remember to check out um you know our sponsors that we've talked about and mentioned in this podcast we've tried to bring you some uh some partners that have, uh, you know, practical and uh, moderately priced gear and stuff that's super effective for you. So remember that and remember this is your element. Living it. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, 
We're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. 